Hello everybody, welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. Uh, can't. What did you think of Flatliners? So we saw Flatliners, which is a remake of a film I haven't seen from 17 years ago. I've seen it. Was it good? Uh, no. It. Uh, it wasn't... It was It was a success. It was a hit. And actually, it starred uh, a whole bunch of people who were already, like, on the first steps of stardom. So it's, it's Kevin Bacon uh, and Kiefer Sutherland uh, uh, and also... Uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah, Julia Roberts. Well, Julia Roberts was a star of the film, really. Um, and it was also one of the... Uh, um, the cute brother of Alec Baldwin, one William of Baldwin. Cute, yeah, William Baldwin. I think. I'm only saying that. I'm only saying that because I've read it. I'd not, I don't think he's cute. Ah, well, you know, <laughs> kind of. Uh, he was thought to be at that time. Um, so, and and it seemed. And Oliver of, Platt, who I love. Anyway. Anyway. So the original was what campy. No, actually, it was it was almost like a teen movie, you know, and kind of glamorous and fun. Um, well, sounds about you know, right. and slick, really. Uh, it was direct. It was directed by um, Joel Schumacher. Yes, mm. you know. So, uh, you know, so it was that kind of movie. So, actually, one of the things that surprised me of watching it today was that it had a much darker tone, and actually, in a much darker look. What did you think? I haven't seen the original. Right. Um, this film, I thought, had some. I, I was really looking forward to it from the trailer. Yeah. Uh, we'd seen it in in the cinema. Um, it looked like, like you say, it looked like a teen movie. It looked like um, it was going to be fun and silly and quite stupid. What you got from the trailer was that they, uh, these kids, send they, well, they flatline, so they make themselves die. Though they they they're medical students, so they inject themselves with stuff and then they. Provide a shock with a defibrillator to themselves, or you know, to their their friends do it mm. to them. They die for a couple of minutes. They say, "Leave us there," and then they bring them back. And f- from this, their kind of their horizons are expanded. It's like they've had the most amazing drug trip. Yes, um, they have access to parts of their brains that they hitherto thought were gone. But then they also start to maybe see things. Weird stuff starts to happen, and you wonder if have they crossed over into another uh, kind of realm what's happened so that that was the idea and, and I thought that's a really cool idea um, as it happened I think the film is full of these inconsistencies like it's never quite a failure but it's never brilliant and it's um, it's it's not fun enough essentially like you say it, it, did, it had this dark tone to it yes. it was like it was trying to treat its subject matter with a level of seriousness Doesn't... which in some respects it deserves because it be- the film becomes about apology and regret and your past not you're not being able to escape your past it's very superficially done though but that's the problem like it's it's actually it's too superficial where it needs to have some seriousness and actually could have some seriousness yes but it's serious where it needs to be more superficial where yeah. it needs to be more creepy and silly it tries to take itself quite seriously. I thought the beginning was rather wonderful, yeah. right? Like, you know, the way that the characters set out. And also, 
I think the cast is so attractive, right? Like, you know, well, I said to I, you at the start, it should be called Hot Doctors. Yes, <laughs> I mean, but 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 really, I I was so happy to see Ellen Page, right? Yeah, she's great because she's marvelous and she's got this kind of gravity and serious, and she's very accessible, and you you know you feel that you know what she's thinking, and she's kind of very purposeful and engaged in this film. It was really wonderful to see her, right? Um, but in a way, kind of, it was wonderful to see her. But you, you kind of had already seen her that way before, right? So, um, and then there was James Norton, who looks like, you know, extraordinarily handsome and who's incredibly good. And then there's Diego Luna, who looks like a kind of a Jesus figure, actually. Sometimes the way that he's photographed, he's got kind of like this odd look with the long hair and he's very thin. You know, he looks like, he looks like he's eating grass and has been practicing yoga for 10 years, right? There's one particular cut where... Uh, Ellen Page's character is having her first uh, hallucination and as she kind of flies the the camera point of view flies through a stained glass image of Jesus it immediately cuts to Diego Luna yeah so it's the film's foregrounding that a little bit yes um and um there was also uh Kiersey Clemens you know who's that very very pretty girl who's dominated by her mother uh, and she, she really does have like a Cupid doll feature. She's in, incredibly pretty and I think incredibly engaging. The only bit of the casting uh, that failed for me was uh, Nina Dobre's uh, uh, Marlowe, uh, the one who caused the doctor who caused the death of a patient and then went into the mortuary and erased and changed the record. Mm. I kind of I just thought she she just wasn't charismatic enough to compete with the rest of the cast, and I wondered why she'd been cast, actually. Well, um, the film tells you why she's been cast. Why? Well, literally, she and Diego Luna have had sex, and then she's lying on top of him, and she says, what do you see in me? And he goes, you're really hot. That's um, what she's in the film for. As if the others weren't hot enough. Well, I think, but you see, I think everyone in the film is very attractive, but they're very attractive and they're very good, whereas I, I thought she drew a blank for me. But she is on another level of hotness. <laughs> Is she? I think she is. Really? Speaking as a regular okay, well, heterosexual man. You're, you're the one who would know. Uh, <laughs> well, the, cause it's funny because you say the, uh, the the ginger character you said was incredibly attractive and I didn't see it. Ah, right. Okay. Then Not you're, my type. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. So, so we compensate for each other's blind spots. There's something here. in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, so I thought you had an amazingly attractive and engaging and very, very good cast with Kiefer Sutherland making an appearance from the first film. And he's quite good as well yeah. uh, though you know they could have made that role more showy really to merit his presence I think yeah it should be said because uh, I think before the film he was telling people that he was going to be reprising his role from the first film as a kind of now he's grown up and put yeah, it behind yeah. him which he doesn't he's just no. he, it's just it's a cameo really it is he's playing the um the, the kind of head doctor, doctor to all of their students. But it's almost like too extended for a cameo. It well, seems yeah, like okay. a, a supporting part with no merit. Well, no, it, I mean, it's a perfectly reasonable role to have. It's just uh, what I'm establishing is that he's not, th- this isn't a sequel. Yeah, in any it's respect. not good enough for Kiefer, really. I don't know why he took it. I think it begins kind of very interestingly and sets up the characters very well, you know, and you see the, the film is, is very uh, good at showing you each of the characters each of the events that happened to them, what they hope to gain from flatlining, and then the trauma of their past that's making uh, uh, problems for them. And then it becomes very bad at indicating what those problems are. You know, so is it a hallucination? Is it opening a portal to another dimension? Is it all on their heads? 
the film is very contradictory about that, really. So, you know, it kind of it draws up all of these suppositions, you know, and, you know, then it's, well, as you said earlier, it's very inconsistent in the way that it demonstrates it. For example, you know, kind of at one point, you see uh, 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 um, the, the James... The ginger guy. Yeah, the, the, the hot doctor. Getting stabbed in the hand, and then he appears with his hand stabbed, and he tells us that actually somebody stabbed him in the hand, that it's not his imagination, it wasn't him doing it, you know, that actually he well, has you, been stabbed. Well, you've seen he was climbing out of the sea onto a dock, and his hand gets stabbed by someone else. That's what he... You, you're in his point of view that night. Yeah, well, that's what we're shown, but yeah. actually... What you know, it's still it could still be that he's hallucinating, and yeah, yeah you exactly. Know, that's so, what I'm saying. But you're, um, you're showing him getting stabbed by a different person's hand, yes. And then he says, Someone stabbed me, which is quite reasonable for him to say. And then Diego Luna's character says, Well, people on drug trips stab you, know, hurt themselves yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah. So the film, uh, you're absolutely right. This is something I was going to bring up too. Um, and inconsistent is the word I think uh, it's like he's all the way through this film, um, because. It's kind of it kind of wants to have its cake and eat it with the whole is this the afterlife is it a hallucination have they messed with their own brains mm. the film needs I think the film would be a lot better if it made it very clear right at the start that it has no interest in pursuing real science because ultimately it can't it's saying that well it, well I suppose it sort of could but it it doesn't know what it wants to be yeah, I mean it has exactly. a lot of horror elements which I think aren't quite warranted by the film. I mean, it's not a horror film. And yet, you know, many of the scenes are shot as if the film were a horror film, you know, and actually and become unsatisfying because each of these things has a different logic, really. And then on the, on the other hand, I think it's quite dumb in its dramatization of a particular view of life. So, you know, the film's whole message is that if you reconcile yourself with the past, you know, then you can have, a, a, you know, a stress-free, worry-free present and, you know, have the possibilities of a future. Whereas, you know, if you've committed some terrible thing in the past, and some of the things weren't so terrible in my view, um, then, you know, you're, you're basically you, not admitting it or not reconciling with you or not asking for forgiveness for the bad things that you've done is something that will kill you. You know, and I think that's such a stupid and simplistic way of life. You know, we all deal with regrets. We all deal with kind of things that actually, because they're in the past, you can't fix and so on. And the film offers like a, you know, a, a super stupidly simple solution to all of these kind of real problems in a way that the film throws up, which is, you know, that even these young doctors very early on their career have already, in spite of being very good people, kind of done things they regret. Yeah, but who I, hasn't? Say la vie. This, <laughs> like, you know, it's just so stupid to think you can solve everything. The look of the film. You know, there were scenes where 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 the first incident with um the Ellen Page character happens, you know, where she thinks she's seeing something and she realizes that she's seeing her sister, you know, and the film turns really black, right? Like and it's very beautifully done, I thought, you know, kind of she, you know, she turns into a shadow, just like the villain in Gilda. You know, he, he, she turns almost like two-dimensional. And then kind of, you know, you begin to see like the lights in her eyes and, you know, her eyes that had remained quite shadowy, all of a sudden kind of, you know, the, the camera and the cinematography brings them out. And I thought, you know, that whole way that the thing was lit and shot and, and, 
And actually, the concept behind it was really intriguing. There are some aspects to the to the visual. Uh, to the visuals that are quite beautiful. There are also aspects that I that are actually picked up on being quite ugly. Yes. When the film shot at night a few times, um, it degrades into this horrible um, digital look. Mm. That w- when they're when they're trying to escape in the car, a couple of other points uh, because they're moving so quickly, and I don't know exactly what the, the the technical sort of reasons behind it are, but because it's the film's being shot digitally, it takes on this kind of high frame rate, really smooth look that makes it look incredibly cheap. Mm. Um, yeah, and then it's very marked because no, most of the time it does look perfectly fine. It looks like it's a regular mm. film. I thought it was mainly pretty unremarkable, the way it looked. Um, it just it had a few moments where it was very beautiful and a few moments where I really picked up on that it was I think you're right. Way. I mean, I, and, and you know, so in a way this could be a compliment that this could be a criticism because I think... the it's inconsistent be- again. <laughs> yeah, the best things about the film, I thought, or, the, you know, the things that most caught my eye were those moments with Alan Page in the darkness. You know, and then you look for other things in the rest of the film, like a kind of, you know, a visual motif or kind of recurring patterns or, you know, whether the film is trying to do something. And actually, I couldn't quite detect mm. detect that, really, you know. So um, so so it, it kind of it raises kind of some some issues and expectations that then it doesn't follow through. Um, so I'm glad I saw it, but I thought it's I thought that I have now seen all of the films playing in Cineworld, all of them, and uh, the best one is still Mother. <laughs> well, yeah. Hard to, hard to do Mother, though. I want to go back to what you said about it. Not, did you say it's not a horror or shouldn't be a horror? Um, I think, yeah. Well, I think that there are horror elements in the film that probably shouldn't be there. See, I disagree. I think, actually, the fact that that it uses these horror elements is perfectly justified, and I think it makes quite a lot of sense. And, and it wasn't like it was a surprise. It's pretty much in the trailer. This is going to be... Right. They, they, they undergo this sort of uh, dying and coming back and then encounter scary things. So yes. it, was, it wasn't a surprise that it was a, a horror. But I think it's perfectly fair to sort of... to, to, to use horror um, in the way that it does because what ultimately happens is they become tortured by these... By these uh, regrets or mistakes that they've made, and and it it's sort of, I think, justified that that happens in a scary way. I mean, it terrifies them, and they they start to fear that they might die because of it. Mm. They don't really know what's going on. To use kind of horror techniques to to um, put that on screen, I think it's perfectly fair. It's interesting. That, well, it's perfectly fair if you do them consistently, but you know, I don't the film think necessarily inconsistent. Well, I think it's just it's more unclear. It's it's because the film never quite establishes whether it wants to be. It, the film wants to. Um, uh, it wants to remain ambiguous. Whether it's as to whether it is showing real things that are happening that they've actually accessed some other dimension, or whether it's their brains doing this to them. Okay. I think as the film continues, it becomes clearer that it's their brains doing it to them. Well. But it's never fully established, and that's the issue. I, yeah, I mean, it's never fully established. And I suppose, let's be more specific about what horror means, because, you know, horror is now used in conjunction with so many genres that I think it might not be clear. I think basically, you know, the premise of the film is that it's kind of, you know, asking questions, you know, in a manner that begins, you know, scientifically. But really, the questions that they pose are ethical ones. They are about how to lead a good life. Now, the way that the film has chosen to answer these questions is through recourse to the supernatural. 
really. But you know, you could have you know you could have you could have had like for example horror, you know, and turned this film into a sci-fi type of thing, right? Mm. Or you could have turned it into a supernatural type of thing, mm. right? Or I mean, there's many other versions. But actually, it it doesn't quite do any of that. I think what underpins the whole film is actually a question of faith, of Christian faith, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, which is why why this thing about kind of, you know, apologizing and reconciling yes. and, you know, doing the right thing and the right, you know, you have to do the right thing because if you don't do the right thing, kind of basically you're going to confront yourself with a hellish version, you know, of a future or of a present that will kill you. I think there is kind of yeah, like a whole, you know, religious underpinning to this film. But do you not think you're talking about it could do a sci-fi thing or it could do this, that and the other? The idea... Or it could do a psychological horror. But I think that's really what it is. I think the idea... The idea that um, the idea of being tortured by your own mistakes internally, and that being kind of uh, blown up to you know a kind of embody a real world horror, which is what happens to these guys. Essentially, they're just hallucinating like crazy, um, but it's all based on their but, own regrets. But it's well, you know, you realize that that's the key to the film at the end. But actually, the way that it's shown to you, the first one was quite supernatural, right? Like. You know, that image of Jesus and the stained glass and so on, right? The last one, for example, was very zombie-esque. Right? Like, well, that first uh, one isn't... That, that first one is just um, her flying around. There's nothing scary in that initial trip of hers when she's actually flatlining. That's when the Jesus thing happens. But I'm um, talking about when it kind of... When it becomes scary and they actually start to uh, confront their pasts mm. in later mm. hallucinations. I, I don't think it's... It's not like... Um, I think essentially that is something about the film that is actually consistent. Like it, it, because once you enter that realm, it kind of doesn't matter how much of it is um, sort of surreal or not. You're in that kind of. I suppose it wouldn't matter the way, you know, if if it were kind of consistently deployed in that way. But you know, maybe this is where these where we disagree because I don't think it is deployed right. consistently. And I think the film doesn't answer those questions satisfactorily. So, I mean, you know, we we both now agree, I suppose, that, you know, the most likely thing is that it happens in their head, you know. But kind of the film raises all of these questions that it doesn't kind of really answer because, you know, um, yeah. I mean, there's no... the, the last image in the film is the image of Ellen Page's ghost as if coming from heaven, you know, reassuring... You know, uh, uh, the the one of the other the hot girl, yeah, whatever her name is, <laughs> the one you say is the hot girl, <laughs> and you know, telling her forgive yourself. I mean, really, That's, it's ridiculous. I had a problem with uh, that, um, but that, that was that was not in terms of the consistency of um, of the, the the kind of apparitions and hallucinations. I, I, I think it's fair to say that this is it becomes clear that this is just happening in their heads because it becomes. It becomes very clear that it's about their own attitudes to themselves, yes. as opposed to kind of appeasing some god or something. Um, and uh, on the, the other hand, the, the first, the only mention of the afterlife is right at the start when Ellen Page is setting up the experiment at first, and she says, "What if we could uh, do science on the afterlife?" Something like that. So you kind of get this thing of are they are they actually going to the afterlife? But they're sort of not, right? It's except just, that then there's a ghost at the end. But it's a no. It's not a ghost at the end. It's a vision. She's having it's a, a vision. She's having her crazy hallucinations. It doesn't show up for real. The ghost. Well, it happens at the end of her flatline, right? So it's it's happening during her flatline, right? So actually, it's unclear. You know, we're I don't saying, think that's unclear. Well, for me, it is. Well, because at the same time, she's 
she doesn't see that in the real world. She sees it in. Um, we are shown her experience of the flat line. Yeah. Right, in which she's dead, basically, and she's being brought back to life, and she doesn't want to come back to life because she has so much guilt and remorse. And then this image of Ellen Page, you know, appears, you know, all bathed in white light, you know, right. uh, and telling her to forgive herself. But that happens yeah. within her. It happens within her flatline. Within line. her flatline. Yeah, but it's it's not necessarily within her head. Like we don't know that, right? Like, but why is there why is there a suggestion that that isn't in her head, whereas others, whereas everything else is? How are you make no, 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 you're that? saying that everything else is I mean I think no 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 you're, uh, no, you're saying that, that that vision of Ellen Page is somehow coming from somewhere else and being inserted into her flatline I'm saying it's all in her head There's I'm no saying I'm saying that the image of uh, her uh, uh, of Ellen Page dressed in light is bringing up images of something an angel coming from heaven which is you know uh, right. uh uh, happening during her flatline, which is very different than the other things. Where, let's say, for example, the place where Ellen Page gets killed, where you know something actually comes and drags her and pushes her off the fire escape. Yeah. Right now, you know, you could say that that's in her head, but actually, you're also shown kind of some force pushing her and her not wanting to go. Sure. Right. So, so that very I think is a much more concrete thing to argue. I don't think it's at all um, fair to argue that the image of Ellen Page as this vision of light means that it's somehow different to the flatline. That's part of the flatline. It seems to me perfectly clear. Oh, you know, well, we we can see that. It's, but but the, but the question is the status of the flatline. Is the flatline only kind of the filmmakers showing us their conscious experience of what's happening to them? It seems fair to me to say that it is. I don't see any suggestion that it's not. It's it, the, the flat lines. It seems very clear to me are point of view, essentially. Um, so when Helen Page gets dragged in a way that you know she couldn't be kind of pushing herself across the floor like that, it seems to me very clear that uh, she's imagining that, and what's happening in real life is is not the same. Well, she's the film. Herself. I think the film shows that very confusingly because actually it's showing a different. You know, this what is where the film is inconsistent as to, as to whether... her being dragged. <laughs> yeah. So, you know... Yeah, I, you know, I agree. Like, at the time, um, when, when the film has done far less work on uh, sort of developing what the nature of these hallucinations is, um, at that time, it's, it, it's completely fair to wonder, so is there actually something dragging her, or is this something she's imagining about herself? But I think as the film... Um, moves on and towards the end there's been so little development of the th- the idea that it could be legitimately supernatural that you f- it's fair to forget it and say this isn't what it's about the film is talking about what these people are interpreting about themselves making happen in their own heads yeah but then because you see, the film then you're up- left very unsatisfied because you can't see how it happens you can't see how the Ellen Page character fleeing you know, ends up being pushed to the stairs, and then that somehow she did it to herself. I, I you know, I kind of or, agree. Or the James Norton stabbing, you yeah. know, thinking that he's being stabbed, but actually having stabbed himself. So actually, you know, the film should show you those differences, really. I, I kind of agree. Or at some point, it should show you those differences. I kind of agree, um, but I, I didn't find it a problem at all. Like, I don't think it's necessarily. Um, uh, I don't think it's necessary, really, that it should have to do that. I think it's it's fair to kind of leave that up to interpretation. Like when the film, if the film were to go back and show you, no, this is how this happened, it would be quite disappointing. If it showed you at the time, there might be a way of doing it so that it was intercut. You know, like the real thing happening, him stabbing himself, 
with the, with the, his hallucination of the girl stabbing him. That you know there might be a way of doing that, or you know again um, showing Ellen Page being dragged in her brain in her in her vision as opposed to throwing herself down the hallway in real life. There might be a way of doing that, but I think the fact that it doesn't want to do that and it only wants to engage with the hallucinatory world isn't unfair. I'm, I'm not trying to defend this as a perfect movie. I do think it still has inconsistencies and it doesn't want to explain itself enough. Yeah. But I didn't have huge problems with these. Yes, I did, because if you remember the beginning, like after, I think after the first two flat lines, you know, one of the characters, oh, how, how interesting... You know, the Ellen Page character is living completely in the past and she's baking bread and doing things, right? Mm. And, you know, the the James Norton, is it? The hot doctor character. <laughs> the ginger doctor. Uh, is um, living completely in the present, right? So, you know, they're trying to make sense about, uh, you know, the issue of flatlining. What do people of, have in common with their flatlines? How right, does it affect you know? people? And then actually kind of, you know, that then doesn't get reapplied into the... Yes. You know, that logic doesn't get reapplied into the other characters. So kind of, you know, you're you're just kind of wondering what's up, really. I um, agree. That's something that the film... The film does an awful lot of coming up with things and immediately just leaving them where they are. And, yeah. uh, and it would do well to develop these things more or, or not come up with them because it leads to these inconsistencies <laughs> where um, it's all of a sudden it has the kernels of like seven or eight ideas on the go without developing anything because it's 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 doesn't have the confidence or doesn't not interested in them but mm. why bring them up in the first place and it's feel it's very unsatisfying the way it deals with it, it comes up with ideas and, and drops them yes. whereas it could be thematically dealing with a lot more than it is yeah. I do have a, a problem with the issue of apologies and I think you kind of hinted at it or, or maybe even mentioned it completely the idea the, the the problem that I have which is the idea that it, it the idea that an apology is all about yourself in quite a selfish sort of way so um there's this line in community right I, this is what occurred to me while i was watching the film there's an episode of community where um jeff the main character has offended this girl called kim mm. a long time ago and he doesn't know why uh, jeff says i can never apologize i can never change her mind that makes me a dick forever because he thinks that she's dead mm. um this kim's dead so he thinks i can never apologize and, she, and Annie says, do you think that's what an apology is? A spell you cast on another person to make them forgive you. Apologies are opportunities to admit your own mistakes. Mm. That's really brilliant. That's what I was thinking about in, in Flatliners. Um, it's, they seem to think of apologies in this way, that it's like, once I've apologised, once I've said these magic words, then everything's good. Yes. So, like, so the, the, the Ginger Doctor character, he does it to the girl that he impregnated and left. He just says, basically... I'm sorry. It's a very I, Catholic I want, view of life. I want to do it right. And and um, the uh, the the black girl, what's her name? Um, Sophia. Sophia. Um, she, when she was at school, she leaked these nudes of someone she was jealous of yes. um, to the school and ruined the girl's life. And then she goes to the girl. In fact, it's never more spelled out than it is with her. She goes to the girl, tracks her down and says... Um, I want to apologise. I need. Me. I need you to forgive me. It's like I need you to forgive me. It's like I've done my part. I've apologised. Now I need you to make sure that that like do your part and forgive me. It's like maybe I can't. You know. Yeah. Maybe it's not up to me maybe, to forgive you. Maybe I'd say fuck the fuck off. You know. Yeah. It's you, like it's, there's you've not made honest... ten years of misery and you expect that this is going to be like enough. <laughs> yeah. It's so perfunctory the way she apologises. Uh, yeah. It really fucked me off. Actually, I thought. So l- let me just pursue this thought. 
and it is just a thought, but I thought it was very Catholic, very like Roman Catholic in that way, right? Because the whole thing of the confessional, you know, and you you sin and sin is a part of life and whatever, then you you go and ask forgiveness, right? And and it makes everything okay. But you have to do penance at least, right? Which is, you know, say a thousand Hail Marys or whatever. Yeah. Here, it's like you don't even get a the thousand Hail Marys. It's you know, I need you to forgive me. Yeah, like, exactly. you know, it's almost like charge it. The film, the film it was then it then seemed was going to kind of pursue this moral of saying basically as long as you've said you're sorry for whatever you've done even if it's as bad as completely ruining someone's life in school by uh, sending their nude pics around you have no right to do um, even if you've done that just say sorry uh, and you've done your part yes I, I found that and then the film goes on to say you know it's about forgiving yourself it's like well I forgive myself for spreading the nude pics around. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do it again tomorrow. Because, you know, I'm such a forgiving person. <laughs> but the, the, the film could pursue a really interesting line of um, uh, uh, of apology and forgiveness and what does it mean to apologise. Because the idea that these people are being internally screwed up by their own refusal to... Um, accept their mistakes, even realise their mistakes, and try to make amends. Yes, that's a really good idea, I think, and that's perfectly legitimate to kind of do in in a horror format to 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 kind of to turn these um uh to to turn these past mistakes into things that that become terrifying torture. But you know, but then the film ends up concluding this with a kind of you've done your part, now everything's fine. I thought the choice of the four mistakes was very misguided, bordering on stupid. You know, because, for example, you know, Ellen Page's mistake was what? That she was distracted during driving? She was texting while driving. Okay. But, yeah. but the problem, the, the interesting thing about her mistake is that she can't do anything to reconcile it. That Her sister died in that car accident, and that's it. So, but does she have no, no option but to die? Okay, I kind of, I didn't, I did, I mean, I knew that the phone rang and she took the call, but I didn't realize it was texting. Or texting uh, or phone. But the point is, she shouldn't have been on the phone. Yeah, okay, you know. Yeah. Okay, well, drivers of Britain, listen. <laughs> so, um, and then the other, so I thought that the, the things that they did, you know, it could have been so much more interesting if they'd been really kind of quite different. Or, mm. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, kind of um, the 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 uh, um, so the Sophia character, who I thought was rather wonderfully played by is it Kiersey Clemens? Yeah, Kiersey Clemens. Kiersey Clemens. I thought she was wonderful. Yes. You know, and very pretty and so on. Um, but um, you know what she does is really terrible. And actually, what makes it terrible is the reason she does it for. You know, which seems to me kind of. Uh, um, it signifies what is wrong with American culture, really. So, you know, you do something so heinous, really, just because she's your, she's got a GPA that's that's better that's than true. yours. Yeah. So, actually, it's to get a higher GPA, to eliminate her competition. Well, it wasn't she, even for that, really. It wasn't going to make her GPA any worse. It was just to ruin her life. Yeah, she was jealous. So, you know, that seems to me like so much more vile than an accident, really. Yeah. You know, and for such a petty reason. And actually, I don't think that the screenplay works that out, you know, because the way that she's shown is she's this nice girl who's under her mother's thumb. But actually, that kind of 
thinking, yeah, that behavior, is you know, is inconsistent with the character that's depicted for us, really. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, whereas like uh, James Norton's thing, you know, I could easily imagine that's probably something that's happened to lots of guys, really, you know, uh, and it's not a nice thing. Um, but, you know, again, it's kind of, you know, they're not all comparable, really. No, you know? I didn't listen to his whole thing. Obviously, he, I knew he impregnated the girl, but he, he was surprised by the fact that she actually had the kid. That's right. So his thing was that he'd gotten a girl pregnant. He'd paid for her abortion uh, and, you know, then had promised to be with her while it happened. Uh, right. And then kind of couldn't face it and drove past rather than going in. Right. Which, you know, I know it's, it's it's not a good thing. So don't get me wrong. You know, no, but it's pretty bad. Well, it's pretty bad. But there, <laughs> there, there are men who wouldn't even have paid for the abortion, who would just have like not cared. I mean, you know, kind That's of still pretty bad. Though. I know. I'm putting that. We're talking... least, I'm putting that at least on the level of spreading the nude pics around. That's quite a harsh thing to do to someone. Well, you see, I, would, I wouldn't put it on that level. I think it's cowardice, but it's not like evil-mindedness, I'm going okay. to ruin your life, right? You know, it's, it's a cowardly moment, really. Mm. Um, so, whereas actually, the thing about spreading the nude pictures and, you know, the thing about going, going and eliminating the autopsy record and fixing the autopsy record to me, are really kind of like, uh, you know, of a different order. So I think, which I don't have a problem with. I think if you're going, you know, it would have been very interesting, you know, to actually use those examples of past sins in a much more imaginative way than the film does presently. Yeah, and to, and to try and say that there is some difference, like some of these things are not as bad as the others. Yes. But yeah, they kind of, they just all get affected equally. And you're you left there thinking, Ellen Page especially doesn't deserve the treatment that... Uh, that Sophia does. They've done things of such different severity. Exactly. Well, I would say that. I mean, she did kill her sister. <laughs> no. But it was, no, it, was, it was... A moment of negligence resulted in her sister's death. It wasn't a deliberate, like, I'm going to kill my sister. No, yeah, exactly. You know, which is where the other one was, a deliberate, I'm going to ruin this girl's life. So, um... So, again, the point is, it's, it's a missed opportunity to do something interesting. But the whole film is, really... There's nothing about the film that's fully satisfying. Yes. Except for me, the seeing the actors. I really love seeing Alan Page uh, and James Norton and Diego Luna. And, mm. uh, um, and I'm sorry uh, for not uh, knowing her name better, Kirsty Clemens, yeah? Anyway, she was lovely. She um, was. So, um, I think, yeah, ultimately, the, I think my impression of the film is I, I was disappointed because the trailer promised an awful lot more. And then I was disappointed because it had like 10 different ways it could have been really interesting and pursued none of them yeah. and was muddled. But it's actually extra disappointing. It's extra disappointing because it shows so much promise. It has yeah. all these parts where you go, that could be good. Yes. And it's not. Yeah. So tough luck, baby. Yeah, <laughs> it'll, it'll make it'll make money though. Its uh, its budget was nineteen million dollars, and so far in the US, it's made two point one million dollars. Huh. That's not nearly as much as I thought. No. Wait. It'll make its money back though. I would think out of curiosity uh-huh. alone. Google has it as sixty one million dollars, so yeah. there's some discrepancy somewhere. Yes. It'll make money. Um, it's got a yeah. Anyway, I'm, a you know, I'm kind of glad we saw it. It's not, it's not good, but I'm glad we saw it. It's not good. But it's not bad. It's, it's in the middle. It's. You're such a generous man. 
maybe I am meeting it more than halfway, but there were things about it that I did like. It was just it. It, it giveth with one hand and it taketh away with the other. <laughs> okay, that's a good Which note again to end. sounds pretty Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's stop it here. I'm going to make some coffee. Ooh, lovely.